Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Top Docs Radio. Brought to you by Hyperbaric Physicians of Georgia, a comprehensive wound resolution and UHMS accredited hyperbaric medicine practice with four offices to serve you. Find us on the web at www.hbomdga.com. Facebook and Twitter at HBOMDGA. Good afternoon, everyone. It's C.W. Hall, your host here on Top Docs Radio. Joined in studio, as always, my partner in crime, Krista Baruti. Hello. I'm having some fashion issues over here. Yeah? Girls with headphones can't wear earrings. It's a true story. <laughs> well, I guess I shouldn't be wearing my earrings as you well. The posts are digging into the side of my head. It's making me kind of crazy. You're telling all sorts of secrets today, aren't you? <laughs> Who do we have in the studio today? Well, we're joined in studio by a, a gentleman uh, that comes from the area focused on prostate cancer. Ken Stevens is the vice president of the Georgia Prostate Cancer Coalition, and, and we'll be talking a little bit about prostate cancer detection, uh, that being a big focus of theirs. And it's a problem that uh, you know I know much effort has been put into the community to try to help generate awareness, and obviously... Uh, it's one that's serious enough that we're, you know, revisiting it a time or two on our show. Uh, if you look at cancer.org, they talk about the fact that one man in seven will be diagnosed with prostate cancer during his lifetime. About 220,000 new cases of prostate cancer this year is what they anticipate. And, and out of that, uh, as many as possibly 27,000 deaths and a little over. So it doesn't always kill you, uh, particularly if you catch it early. Uh, and uh, that's why we've got Ken here to tell us his story. He himself is a prostate cancer survivor uh, and um, share a little bit about how he got to where he is today and, and uh, be able to maybe shed some light on why more of our folks in the government and third-party payer side of things need to be paying attention to this uh, important and, and serious disease, uh, as well as our our neighbors uh, and ourselves as men uh, need to be aware of this problem so that we can, if we are one of those patients that turns out to have prostate cancer, we can find it early so that our doctors have many more options with regards to what they do for us. So, Ken, thanks for taking some time to join us on the show today. Thank you very much for having me. I'm, uh, I'm pleased to get here and get the word out about early detection. Uh, I was uh, detected late. I was detected in 1988 and uh, for an insurance examination. And my insurance examination found a lump on my prostate. It uh, said, well, it's just a lump. We'll have to have a biopsy later on. And a year later, we found that uh, a biopsy was required. It took three days. It was the old-fashioned kind. We didn't have any ultrasound to guide the needle. And actually got a piece of the guy's finger. So I had a severe case of keratosis in my prostate. <laughs> oh, man. But um, those days are gone now. We don't like to do uh, immediate biopsies. We found that prostate cancer is a slow-growing disease. And uh, I had... A uh, radiation, uh, I'm sorry, I had a, uh, <laughs> I had surgery, a radical prostatectomy in uh, 1989, which removed the prostate and removed everything. Unfortunately, we found out four years later that it didn't get all the cancer cells. Mm -hmm. So it regenerated and came back, which uh, ended up with me having radi radiation therapy, external beam radiation therapy, which uh, slowed the cancer cells down a lot and... Uh, 
slowed a lot of other things down, left a lot of a lot of uh, damage to tissue, a lot of scar tissue. Right. And uh, we spent about seven years cleaning up, nine years. Time kind of flies when you're having fun. Uh, cleaning that up, and uh, then the PSA started to come back up again. Mm. So I started having uh, hormonal therapy. Uh, after six, seven years of treating the uh, scar tissue and the various things, tissues that happened, and had a lot of pharmaceutical treatments because I had some damage done, inflammation to the nerve bundles down around the, the lower... A perineal area. nerve. Yeah, yeah. and... It was a mess. It uh, it hurt, and it was painful, and it cost a lot of money, and it took a lot of time. When I first got out of surgery, I looked around and said, uh, what's wrong? Because I don't hear this talked about on the radio like we are now. I don't hear it talked about on television or in, radio, in uh, newspapers. And I called the American Cancer Society and said, this is in 1989. I said, why, uh, why don't I hear people talking about prostate cancer awareness when I hear all over the radio and the newspapers and the magazines people talking about breast cancer and how to cure it because it had the same number of incidents and the same number of mortality rate, uh, roughly. So the American Cancer Society told me, well, men don't talk about things like that. I'd, uh, I'd played football. I'd rode bulls when I was a young man. Wow. I was in the Marine Corps. I figured I'd qualify it as a man, and I would break the bowl mold, and I would talk about it. And it was kind of an epiphany. I started talking about early detection provides you with the information to get early treatment and thereby come, come along with an early treatment. If I had had my detection done a year before it was, I wouldn't have spent the next 27 years fighting prostate cancer in all of the possible ways you can think of. Hmm. Well, talk about that because you know one of the things that we want to have the, the the listener out there know, whether it's a physician that may be listening or or one of their patients, um, is the recommendations for when you should start thinking about getting a PSA test. And I'm sure that there are or other testing that you might recommend, but from what I understand, at least you want to start with the the blood test. Um, but uh, when should I start thinking about that? And, and, and are there times when maybe the, those timelines should be a little bit different just based on family history, things like that? In uh, the Vietnam era, there were soldiers in their 20s who got killed in battle. The autopsy showed prostate cancer cells in their prostate in their 20s. It hasn't had time to develop yet. But at 40, it's had time to develop, and it hasn't had time to become enlarged, which gives some faulty readings now and then. It's a good, healthy time for a prostate. So the American Cancer Society said that at age 40, a man should have a PSA test. Uh, we also recommended a digital rectal examination test. Those two right around that same time frame? Same time, same time, together, as a matter of fact. be a good time to do it. Uh, men didn't like that either. Men didn't like to talk about it, and they didn't like to have a finger where it shouldn't be. So that was our uh, recommendation when we started this organization. For 10 years, the Cancer Society, I was a spokesman for the Cancer Society, uh, I promoted that, that we needed to get tested at age 40 when you're still young enough to go through some fairly traumatic treatment if necessary, 
and come out with a good, healthy body, lifestyle, and so on. But finding it's the main thing. So the more tools you have to find it, the more likely you are to find it. The uh, 10 years from the time I was detected until the year 2000, the Cancer Society kind of backed down. And then at, uh, eight years later, in oh, 95 or so, the PSA started becoming questionable because it turns out it wasn't as specific as its name implies. Not prostate-specific antigen. It was, it was developed, as Curly, to find out if people still had cancer after treatment. That was what the man that discovered it used it for instead of trying to find out if you have prostate cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, that turned out to be a boon for the people in the business, but it turned out to be a bad thing for some of those people because they got a little overdetected and a little overtreated. Right. Had to pay for the equipment and the pills and things like that. So the sooner you catch it, it's still true, and it's still true today. The earlier you find it, the easier you can treat it and the better off you're going to be. The uh, in, in my case, I said, wait a minute, let's get together. We uh, got seven survivors, all of us older guys, that said, I was 55 when I was detected, 56, and said, let's get together and separate out and have an organization that's dedicated to prostate cancer. We can't, we can't not have the backing of the American Cancer Society, so we'll take their, their rules, their guidelines, and we will form an organization that talks about nothing but prostate cancer, early detection, and early treatment. And we kind of split off and we founded the Georgia Prostate Cancer Coalition to do just that. The way we did that was to spread the word, go out and talk to people, nose to nose, get as many people as we can in businesses, uh, schools, colleges. We wanted young men to be aware of this. That's all. We're not selling a a product. We just wanted them to know that there's a disease that they can be, uh, that that has a marker. It is a marker. It might not be a perfect marker, but it is a good marker. So we want that marker to go out and say, this is part of your your, uh, sleeve, your health uh, sleeve, your uh, okay, we'll do that. The uh, well, which way should I go here? The uh, the the testing was necessary, and people were indeed participating. Let's go and let's participate. Let's get health uh, testing going on for PSA and DRE. But guys still wouldn't listen, and guys still weren't talking about it. When you say DRE, what do you mean? DRE, a digital rectal examination. I'm sorry. Sorry. I'm sorry. That's true. I can describe it in detail if your listeners wouldn't mind. Um, (laughs) The the test is simple. It's not unusual. Women have it when they have their their annual tests and mammograms. It's it's something, but men are just not like that. So I tell them to man up and go ahead and do the job. It's still a better test. Anyway, we want to find it then, and uh, we stayed with 40 and 35, and 35 is if you have a high-risk background. Like if you are African-American, they're very high risk, higher, like I think one in four of the number is. Um, so almost twice as high. Almost twice as high, Yeah. except when I have a guy in front of me, his chances of getting prostate cancer are 50-50. He's either going to get it or he's not. That's a statistic, and so you have to watch what the statistics tell you. They also say that that one in four in his lifetime, which implies that if you don't have it today, you might get it when you're 50 or 70 or 90 or somewhere downstream. 
that influences the kind of treatment you want to have. If you have it early, you can withstand some traumatical kinds of experience, uh, surgery or uh, seed implants or something of that sort, and come through it with a lot less damage, a lot less trauma to your lifestyle than you would if you waited when you're older, when it's advanced. So we believe that the earliest you find it, the better off you are. Now, in, in Georgia, we've got about 1,100 people dying, 1,000, that's whatever the latest uh, facts and figures show. But we're, we're uh, 20th in the nation. I haven't got the numbers in front of me. We're 20th in the nation in incident rate. And we're fourth or fifth, I think we've dropped to fifth now in the nation in deaths. And that's just not acceptable when it's a preventable. It isn't preventable when, it's, when the deaths are preventable. It is. So we want to stop that, and we have to go out and talk to people to do that. We need, we need to go out and convince people that it's necessary so that there will be sufficient numbers for people to be interested to fund that kind of thing. And so the disparity between you know, being in the middle of the pack, it's still not the best, ranked in, in, the, in the 20th area as it relates to how many people develop or are found to have prostate cancer in our state. But I think it's pretty compelling how, many, uh, how, how high we rank in terms of the, the rate of death. And that means that, that either they're finding it late when they do find it and or they're not proceeding with – Follow up. The yeah, the the ongoing monitoring and, yeah. and subsequent treatments, and so therefore the cancer is progressing at that point to I, the point where it kills them. That's right, and we need to convince people that it's something that should be a normal part of their body checkup every month, every year. For those people that don't go, there are free screenings that are out uh, in the world. There are people that hold free screenings once a year downtown, uh, out north, uh, down south. They're doing the blood names. test. Is that what you're saying? Yep. Or? Yep, they should be. Why not? You test for all the other diseases. You test for diabetes. You test for heart disease. You test all of these tests. This has got a higher incident rate of mortality than a lot of those other diseases have for men. Why not put that on there? And the reason is because it costs a lot to administer a lot of tests that are not productive. Mm-hmm. When a lot of them are negative. That, yeah. That was the thing. Yeah. Following that, then uh, when the PSA was first started uh, being used, we found out that people were saying, ah, we have a positive here, a positive, positive. That's, yes. that's a good thing. Except while they were doing that and designing new uh, equipment, new devices, new software, they were also finding out in research that there's about 24, 25 different levels of, uh, levels of uh, prostate cancer activity. Some are dangerous and some are not. We didn't know how to differentiate between those yet. Mm-hmm. So we failed on, quote, what was the safe side. That means to rid the man of the prostate one way or another. And that wasn't necessarily the best treatment. We're still making bad treatments, and that, that got to be an overdiagnosed kind of thing. A lot of men suffered pains and problems from uh, biopsies that weren't necessary. And we found out it wasn't necessarily only after the fact and not before. So there has to be new and better ways. However, it's kind of like a rush hour. you got to slow lane in a fast lane. And hurrying to get the treatment done was causing a lot of problems that didn't need to be done, causing and, wrecks. Yeah. And that's the that, – I think that for me, as I've learned a little bit about the prostate cancer um, – 
that's kind of what I've heard was that you know, there was a period of thought where prostate cancer is on the rise. It wasn't so much that. It was organizations yeah. like yourself and um, other public uh, service announcement type efforts mm-hmm. to raise awareness got more people to go get tested. And as you talked about, more people were found to have elevated PSA levels. Yep. And so that kind of prompted some measure, we've got to treat it. That's right. And that's the thing that, as you described now more recently, is when you've found to have an elevated PSA and the, you know, the, the digital rectal exam is you know, confirming along with that in terms of its findings, that, that potentially you can have a period of time where you watch it and see if a trend develops. Is it continuing to rise? Is it, and if, it's, if so, how quickly is it rising? And, and that you can actually watchful wait it, as from what I've understood they call it, is watchful waiting. I think uh, active surveillance is a term I like because it says you're doing something. The problem there is money, and the problem there is uh, uh, insurance, I guess. The active surveillance means that you've got your eye on it. And that means you're going in for testing more frequently than is recommended by the people in the insurance business and in the the payment business. Uh, Watchful waiting, what are you waiting for? (laughs) You have to do something you're waiting for. Well, active surveillance says, I'm doing something about it. I'm going to my doctor. He's monitoring it. We're taking a sample every three months, every six months, or some reasonable period of time. And each of those costs money like the new tests that are out to determine the activity, the uh, level of prostate activity, cost money. And a lot of uh, primary care physicians don't want to spend that money because their patients don't want to spend that money. So we're, we're kind of hooked right now. The new treatments for advanced prostate cancer, which I'm having a good time with now, are horrendously expensive, prohibitively expensive. Those are people that can't afford it. We want to try to get people that need it treated of course and continuing on with what's going on but we'd also we the prostate cancer coalition would like to say let's get all of the people and only those people who need it we can get along without it for a while and watchful waiting active surveillance is a good way to go about it you can stop if somebody came to me today and had just come out of a screening and said my psa was 2.10 uh 2.10 nine or whatever there is no normal by the way there used to be um what should i do and my answer is don't do anything schedule another appointment in six months and find out where it is then because it gives you an idea how fast if it is rising we'll see what it is if it was caused by uh enlarged prostate then we can understand that because it won't do as fast it's not as uh, as active it might be caused by hot foods. Uh, there's a whole bunch of things that can cause the PSA to go up other than prostate cancer. Prostate cancer is probably one of the smaller, lower ones on there. So as it relates to timing, if I go and I get the PSA, as you're hoping I do as, mm-hmm. a, as a man, um, and there is a, a value there that they consider outside of normal, um, from the perspective of timing for, for next steps, how, how is that determined? How do they is, is the physician? I mean, obviously, if it's a very elevated number, they're going to say we got to go do something. Absolutely, but, yeah. But for for the for the men who go and get a study done, and it comes back, yes, it's elevated, but only marginally so. 
is what you're saying three or six months about the time it, a, a man could un, expect to be brought back and, and repeat for a, another evaluation to see what the trend line is? Well, I think urologists would go along with six months or a year. It's not going to be that fast. Probably depends on how old you are. The older you are, the slower it moves. It's a testosterone-driven and antigen-driven disease. And as you get older, your antigens automatically, naturally, normally fall off. So the growth of the prostate. If you're in the younger time, you probably go back in three months. So it depends upon the relationship you have with your doctor. Mm -hmm. Therein lies another problem. We're trying to get guys to go in to get tested for the first time that don't want to go in in the first place. And then to say, hey, we want you back in three months. That runs into a, oh, I don't want to go to the doctor. Why not? Well, they might find something. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. You, know, it's, uh, it's, uh, you know, I can relate to that. I mean, it's a, it's a strange way of thinking. Um, it it's definitely a, is, but it's, it, I, I, I've experienced it myself. I don't know. I don't want to, I don't want him to tell me I have something. Yeah, I think everybody so I'm just not gonna goes go. through that. Yeah. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> if I don't know, then I don't have it. Yeah, that, that's horrible. true. It's a guy thing. Uh, you know, it, it goes down to the roots of fear. Mm-hmm. Guys are, first of all, not supposed to show fear because they're the hunters and the gatherers. They want to go out and, and they don't hurt. You know, they go to the doctor if the skin's sticking through the skin. Uh, that's it. They won't do it. Furthermore, they're afraid that if they go and find something, it will hurt them. Hurt them in their manhood, hurt them in their daily life. And they don't want to expose the thought that they're, they're prone to that, that they could, in fact, end up with a disease. And I, I keep saying, don't solve the problems that you don't have. Let's find out the problem before you start worrying about it. And then if you find something, we can take steps. And all these other fears out there are not, not reasonable if you do it early and you start early. If you wait... I can guarantee there will be problems. As a matter of fact, I can assure you that you won't have sex in a coffin. You know, you just can't wait that long. So let's get it before it starts getting you. When you go into a bank, say, and talk to the teller, and they say, what's that blue pin for, that blue ribbon? And you say, it's a prostate cancer awareness ribbon. Oh, I had my dad die from that. Oh, I had my uncle die from that. Oh, I had a friend that died. I guarantee you that nine out of ten times somebody will have been uh, influenced or uh, affected by prostate cancer. That's not necessary today. That those people did it because they got the disease, didn't have it checked, didn't follow up, and they got it in a very bad time when it gets to be advanced metastatic, castrate-resistant, all those things. I've got all that, so I know what I'm talking about. Right. Um, As it relates to getting tested, we were talking a little bit before we went on air. I've been talking with Ken Stevens from the Georgia Prostate Cancer Coalition, and we're learning about uh, testing for men and when it's recommended, how to go about it. Um, From the perspective of payment for getting a test, it's not always paid for, but there's some other options out there apparently obviously like you talked about there's occasional screenings that are made available in the community that someone can go and get tested done um i would imagine that if you go to get a physical from your primary care physician and you know talk to them about the fact that the digital rectal exam is part of that annual kind of exam um, that you could at least get a baseline digital exam that uh 
would be covered by your insurance for going just to get a physical from your physician. But uh, talk about some of the options for somebody, you know, either maybe they're one of the newer insured folks that's out there that uh, doesn't have all the options that maybe a fancier, flashier bells and whistles insurance plan offers. Um, but there are some options for what I'm, from what I'm understanding as far as getting a PSA test and some follow-up. There are organizations that hold annual health fairs. And a part of those health fairs are PSA and DRE examinations, along with a whole bunch of other blood tests and so on. And you can go and register for those, and they're free. On our website, we list all of the free um, tests. There are screening sessions. Screening tests, yeah. yeah all of the uh, mark. Uh, <laughs> I'm lost here. Like the health fairs and uh, health various fairs. things like that. Yeah, thank you. Will they? Will those health fairs that are offering this kind of service? Will they be aimed more specifically at men, or is it more? It's a, you know potentially a health fair in general where they're going to be serving all kinds of people breast breast exams, for example, prostate the testing, ones, things the, like that. The health fairs combine all of the tests, and they have a lot of people. We like to go out and have nothing but prostate cancer. So as a part of our new program to have all men 40 and young and 40 and older screened we're going to community-based relations where we go to a say a church and have the church go out and reach around in the community and talk to the smaller churches and we will look organized and set up we will help the people at that church through their men's organization find men to come in on a certain day we'll have the time we'll have them registered we'll have the phlebotomist we'll have the urologist wherever they happen to be and set it up and screen it. We'll offer uh, publicity and PR for it. And they will come in and totally just prostate cancer. We'll have urologists for DREs. We'll have uh, uh, some screening for PSA. Maybe the same, maybe different people. They're all working with us. And they agree that what we're doing is a good thing to do. So they come along. We try to help them out by funding the phlebotomists that are given their time. And the testing that occurs from the phlebotomists, the ones that aren't going to be positive in nature, okay? Right. Uh, to do that, we go out, we've got a license plate. We said, all right, we'll get a license plate on the street. We'll tell everybody there's going to be one. We'll put out the publicity over the radio if necessary. We're asking everybody out there to keep their eyes open for screenings. Or if you're a large organization, have a screening. Hold it. By a large, it's somebody that can put on 50 men that want to be screened. And, and we'll register and we'll show up. Uh, cost them nothing, free screening, unless their insurance that they're carrying through their organization will pay for it. We're not going to give it to people that can afford it. We're going to give it. But if they can't afford it, we'll see that they get it. So if I'm a company in the community here in Georgia and I want to try to do this, provide this for my employees, then I can reach out to the, the Georgia Prostate Cancer Coalition and say, hey, I'm, I'm interested in getting a screening done for my employees who are interested um, and if in that conversation, then you kind of get into we'll talk about what your health plan is like for your company. And you can say uh, that health plan will provide for that. That's great. We'll interface with them um, or not. You can, But that's part of the process. You that's just kind of discuss what kind of plan they have in place for their employees from an insurance perspective. And you can kind of let them know. That's right. And depending upon where they are and who, uh, who wants to, who among the uh, urology people want to come out and support it, We'll bring the urology people out. They can sit down and talk with the people in the organization, whatever they are. Uh, we will put those people together. So we're, we're not medical, we're not doctors, but we'll put 
those folks along and they'll say, let's see your insurance. Let's see what you've got. How many fall outside of that? Those are still free. They're still welcome. And so if I'm one of those people whose insurance won't take care of it, um, how do I handle that? How do I get to take advantage of the opportunities that are that are being presented to Come me? down and register. If you're a member of the organization, the company, they'll have you on file. If you're not, they won't. We'll have it on file because when you register your names there, do you have insurance to cover it? They'll check yes or no. And if it's no, we'll process it directly. They all get checked. They all get backed up. Everybody gets a follow-up letter says you're okay or you're not okay. We don't leave you waiting. Mm. And if you're not okay, they'll say, would you like to come back in for another uh, deeper exam, something that says we should look at more closely. Uh, if they were free the first time, there will be an arrangement made that uh, they're free the second time. I'm sure that's one of the things that um, many men – find themselves thinking about is well, nobody in my family has had prostate cancer. And from what I understand, there's, you know, if somebody that is in my family, especially near family that's had prostate cancer, my risk is greater. So I have to pay more attention, but I'm sure that's probably not the safest way to think about it because just because your dad or his dad or great grandfather didn't have prostate cancer that was detected anyway, doesn't mean you're going to have the same path. Not at all. It's uh, back to the statistics. We have a fellow in our uh, organization whose father died from prostate cancer at age 49. He uh, came on board. He didn't have prostate cancer yet. He wanted to have assurance that if he ever got it, he'd know it because he watched his dad suffer a lot. Uh, one of the problems he had with the new regulations is that that wouldn't have helped a lot. He's a white guy. He had no family background that he knew of, and he had prostate cancer and died. He wants to be active and make sure it doesn't happen to somebody else. Now, I realize that's anecdotal. anecdotal how do you say that? Anecdotal. Anecdotal. Yeah. yeah. Not too many Cs. Uh, I realize that. It's a story. But it's a man, and he had a son, and he had a dad. He doesn't now. One of the uh, newscasters in Atlanta, in greater Atlanta. Yeah. He... Uh, dedicates his his free time, which he doesn't have much of, to doing that because he falls in the same package. He is a survivor. He did have it. His father had it. Didn't know about it. There's a, I mean, you just go on and story after story. There's a Dr. Jackson in town wrote a book called Go Vocal because nobody was talking about prostate cancer. Great book. Go Vocal. Um, he calls himself Dr. J. He was detected at age 40 with a 900 count on his PSA. That's when he went to get his first test? Or? Mm hmm and, uh, and from what I understand, that's a, a similar challenge um, to what women face in a, in a way, and that is they start recommending the mammograms, for example, around, I think, age 40. Um, and there's difficulties getting it done earlier, yep. but apparently for the women, particularly those that have a family history of it, mm -hmm. um, their risk is obviously much greater. Same with prostate cancer. So um, for a man who knows somebody in their family, fairly close to them, that uh, that has been identified as a prostate cancer patient, is it possible to get then tested as, at, you know, younger than what, the, say, the cancer, American Cancer Society's 
best recommendations are right. or, you know, as it relates to insurance and things like that. I mean, clearly you can go and get the test. You know, you don't have to wait just because your insurance won't pay for it. How ex- how expensive is it if you have to pay for it out of pocket? Just to, I've not had to have one, so I've not gone to get one, I guess I should say more correctly. First of all, there are organizations I know of uh, along the west side that have a date on Thursdays that you can call up and say, I want a PSA test, and they'll give one free. All you have to do is schedule it. They do have some restrictions on it, but if they meet the requirements that you mentioned, that they have it in the family, they're scared, they want to know, it's free. Oh, that's awesome. And so okay. I assume they can probably find out about that through the website as that's well. That's right. That's on the website. I could mention the name if you – but Oh, go uh, ahead. Uh, Radiotherapy Clinics of Georgia out here on Lawrenceville Highway. Um, Thursdays, you call them up, make an appointment, and go get a free blood test, free – PSA test in in those circumstances we're talking about putting on a screening with a lot of people they'll do that too but that has to be organized you can't just drop in and say this is what I want to do if you do that you should have a a little knowledge about where you are what you are some statistics about your familial background they uh, they do a good job and they do uh, uh, testing and PSA testing for us uh, on our free screenings when we put one on. Northside Hospital works very hard. Georgia Urology works. They've got offices all over the state, and uh, they're working closely with us. So it's it's something we, we just have to take it like the women did. They said, to heck with it. We're going to go ahead and do it ourselves and find out how to do it. In answer to your question, it costs $100, dollars $120 $120 to have a PSA test done by a lab, say LabMD or MedLab or some one of those uh, clinics. And that's if you're in a place where you just got a, you've got some concerns, you want to go get tested, your insurance is saying no, you can go do that. But based on what you're saying, it sounds like there are numerous opportunities around our community. Call us. That will do it for free. Yeah, call us or look at our website. We'll put those on there too, I believe. Uh, I'm not sure what we're doing on our website, but we're doing an awful lot of work on it. And that's something that certainly belongs there because it's available and it's out there and it's free. Talk about funding for the the Prostate Cancer Coalition. I know it's a charitable organization. How do you generate funds to do some of the things that you do? You know, I spent seven years going out doing educational talks, and I didn't think much about funding because when we had to have money, uh, I went to the American Cancer Society. They give us grants. St. Joseph's gave us grants. We had grants. I'm not a money guy. I spend it. I don't want to get it. Uh, when we started finding out that people in the funding business, the insurance companies and so on, kind of backed away from doing PSAs and stopped funding it. By the way, on, on your primary care physician's wall, he's got a list of things stuck on there, pin tacked up. Go in there, and there'll be a piece of paper telling what his requirements on PSA are, and they follow what the guidelines of uh, the United States Preventive Services Task Force are. They're not good. They're not good for us. They're good for them. Just look at it. It's there. But uh, where was I going? What was... Uh, we were talking about funding. For oh, you. funding. What... Uh, no, we weren't. We were talking about how men and women get together on 
on funding. Well, yeah, we were raising money oh, for right, raising, uh, and and you were talking about the fact <laughs> lost, that so. uh, that in the early days it didn't really have to worry yeah. about it too much. But it sounds like that as your as your focus has expanded and as you're trying to do That's more, it sounds it. like there there is some need to engage with people in the community to try to generate some funds so that you can do that much more. That's neuropathy talking. That wasn't talking. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, about that time, about five years ago, we had a guy come on board that was nothing but a whirlwind. He would raise all sorts of funds. He just liked it. He retired, and he's out in business now, and he's got things. We had started a uh, license plate for Georgia. Looks like that. And we got it through. It's through two years ago. It's out there. We get $22 for each license plate that's sold from uh, through the Department of Revenue, and that goes into a fund. We started uh, saying, okay, we've got some money coming in now. We've got a pile over here. Other ways that we're doing it, we're, uh, we have an association with Kroger uh, in their charitable contribution area where you sign up with them. If you go to Kroger, it's certain of a portion of it goes to Georgia Prostate Cancer Coalition. He did that. We've got uh, the Amazon. We've got to sign up with them. If you sign up and you're part of an Amazon, you've got a Georgia Prostate Cancer on your Amazon card. Some of that money will go to us. There's also, I mean, it's, it's starting to find out. We're getting uh, all sorts of business on, going on out there. I don't know about business. I don't, I, like I said, I want to spend the money. I don't want to go get it. He wants to go get it. We make a good team. And in addition to your community-based screening and your efforts to raise awareness, do you have other projects going on that uh, that people could benefit from knowing about? initiatives that you have underway or things that you're working on? I think most of those projects are tied into the end result, which is men 40 and putting on screenings and funding screenings. We will go give educational seminars to anybody that asks us. And I don't care how many people are there. Somebody will show up. Uh, we go to health fairs, which is not as effective. But if some organization calls up, uh, we've got several of them that are large organizations in the metropolitan area, that ask for us to come out and give a talk about prostate cancer and why we're going through all this and what same of the questions and some of the questions you're asking. So that's an ongoing thing. We uh, look at organizations like, uh, well, the DeKalb Health uh, Department has uh, the Gwinnett for is Health and Human Services. I provide a monthly uh, talk, and it's in their bulletin every month at 11 o'clock, one at uh, Norcross, one in Buford, one in uh, Killian Hill, and it's open to the public. We just open it up and say this is a prostate cancer and talks about the survivor's story and so on like that. Those are going on across the, the Met area. We have new fellows that have come on board down in the Macon area that have schools. They go to survivor groups and say to survivors that have a passion uh, in their belly and say, I want to do something about prostate cancer and go out and give talks. So we're spreading and we're spreading that word. Uh, that doesn't necessarily tie into fundraising. Eventually it will because if one of those organizations say, how do I go about getting a screening for my employees, then we move in, we talk to the people there, we've got them identified, and they identify their people uh, the teachers, like myself, kind of back away after we've got the contacts all made. But we go in and say, 
it's kind of like selling a, a product. We want to have a screening put on here. And if it's big, churches, communities, go out to the various communities. We can start with a small church. And uh, there's a little Tucker church, uh, St. John Apostolic Church in Tucker. It's doing a marvelous job. They have a whole year um, on board. They had a walk around. It was prostate cancer awareness, and that's all. A whole year for prostate cancer awareness. It's going to culminate in a screening for that community. Never been touched before. Those are the people we need to get to. So from those people to the people at Coca-Cola or uh, big organizations, uh, big organizations have health fairs, and they do screenings. There are screenings. Uh, Midtown Urology has a screening. Midtown Urology is now Emory University. They have a screening every year. That Dr. Bennett? Yeah. Yeah. He's doctor, been on the show. Yeah. Dr. Bennett's my very first doctor. That's another story. <laughs> Dr. Foote's going to come join us here in a few weeks. Is he really? I yeah. was on uh, radio with him at Clark Atlanta University. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he's, he's been with us. He, he uh, was a urologist at Shepherd. My wife was a nurse at Shepherd. So that's where I got my start in my prostate cancer business. <laughs> Ken Stevens from the Georgia Prostate Cancer Coalition has been sharing some excellent information both about his story uh, and his journey as a prostate cancer patient. Uh, shared the fact that his was a rough journey because he was one of the folks that uh, was found to have the, the cancer at an advanced stage. So his, his treatment ended up being a lot more involved and, and uh, had to deal with some recurrence over time and uh, certainly helped fuel his passion to help the rest of us uh, in the community, if, if we are found to have cancer, to be a survivor and to have uh, our treatment course be one that is less involved, less traumatic than what he himself has endured. And, and I know that one of the functions of the Prostate Cancer Coalition here in Georgia is working with legislators. Can you talk just real quickly about some of the things that you do to try to influence them so that the rate at which you're able to get your word out is hastened. Good that you mentioned that. Tomorrow at 10 o'clock in the Senate downtown, uh, they will announce that uh, Georgia is recognized as uh, having the 4th of February as Prostate Cancer Day. So uh, we'll be down there with as many people as we can gin up to show the support for that. We'll be in the Senate. Uh, we have a, a event put on. It was started down in Macon for the Georgia High School Association, GSHA, yeah, Georgia High School Association, which we call Blue Week, where all of the players have logos on their hats and uh, armbands, and the refs throw blue flags instead of uh, yellow ones. Um, across the state, all the high schools. And they're participating. Last uh, week, last month, I went to the National Football Players uh, Retired Players Association, National Football League Retired Players Association, and told them about it. They're trying to get that same thing started throughout the whole United States. But we've already done it in the high schools here, and they want to help support that to bring it oh, up. That's great. Yeah, so it's uh, – yeah, there's things going on. You got any ideas? Come on in. Well, maybe, you know – with uh, interfacing with the NFL, obviously they like dressing up in uh, bright pink gear to celebrate <sighs> breast cancer. So maybe we can get them to dress up in there some neon blue uh, garb once in a while to uh, help facilitate the same kind of awareness as it relates to the other half. Yep. Well, every time you see the Braves on Father's Day, they've got blue stuff on. Now that 
the, the funds from that go to the Prostate Cancer Foundation, which is doing marvelous work in research. But research is down where those guys can have them. They're the ones that are going to be the ones that escaped our looks in eventual in the future. We don't want them to get that far. Right. You know? We want to catch them early. So that kind of thing. If they can put blue bats and blue hands, if we can have a, a good golfer out there that swings a blue club instead of a pink club, we'll be in great shape. <laughs> I'm sure that at least once in a while you have somebody giving you feedback that thanks to your efforts, I went and got a test, and in fact they found me to have – uh, you know, an elevated level, and here's what's happening for me. I, mean, I would imagine that you're starting to get some feedback since you've been doing this now for a while. Quite a bit. The first talk, I guess, that I gave, I was at the Life of Georgia working for Georgia uh, U.S. Data Services. And I gave a talk, and six, seven, eight months later, a guy got me in a hallway and said, I went to the doctor because of your talk. And that made all of the following years and the previous years worthwhile. Was he found to have some elevation? Yeah. yeah. Did he have to get treatment or yeah. was he waiting? No. It was brand new. He hadn't gone before. He just opened his eyes and he went to the doctor. That's what we'd like to see everybody do. Go to the doctor, find out what your score is, know what it is so that the next time you go, you'll know whether it's going up or down. Simple. We're, we, we don't recommend any kind of treatment. fact is treatments today are better than the treatments were 10 years ago, 12 years ago, 20 years ago. The ability to stop this stuff is pretty good. So why should we wait to start testing or start a treatment when we've got it right now, right today? We can start doing better things. Next week there'll be something better, but we don't want to wait till next week. Well, I can say that it's been a pleasure to have you join us here on the show, Ken, um, talking about the Georgia Prostate Cancer Coalition being able to help you in your quest to get more of the folks in the community aware that uh, getting tested early, even if it's scary to think that what if they find something, then I'll be having to deal with all of that. It sounds like, uh, obviously, you, you save yourself a great many options if you do that. Yeah, let's find a problem before we start worrying about treating it. I mean, I suppose, I suppose it's one of those things, if you're going to be a cancer patient, and if it's in your lot, that's it, you're going to be one, which would you rather? Would you rather have an array of choices as to how to treat it, or would you rather have some of the worst, yeah, this more is traumatic options? Yes. I'll tell you, the women, I was going to make this, the women have breast cancer, and I said the numbers are about the same. They've got a much, much more difficult uh, disease to cure. You just think of the territory that the cancer starts in. It's spongy. It goes around. It gets the lymph nodes. Gets out in various places a lot. The prostate is pretty well, pretty well defined. Little tiny thing, and it spreads slowly into a very generally uh, controlled area, right around the pelvic area. I'd rather have them go try to find something in that than I would in the big sponge cave. And they're doing the same kind of thing. Let's test it. Let's find it. Let's get rid of it. And I don't want to turn the world blue like it is pink in September <laughs> or October. I just, I just want people to be aware. You know, I find our quest kind of like tobacco. For years and years and years before, they had signs on the side of the tobacco uh, cigarette package that said, this may be dangerous to your health. Right. And it didn't stop anybody from doing anything. We're in that situation now. Prostate cancer can be dangerous to your health. It can kill you. Take care of it. 
find it. It's a statistic. It's a statistic of one. You're responsible for you and your prostate, and if you should have it, your treatment. Well, I, I guess I'm going to have to break down and uh, seek out some testing here, it's even time. though it makes me kind of nervous to do so, but I feel like it'd be irresponsible for me now that I've had now a couple of people talk about uh, the importance of, of why you want to do it and do it early. Um, um, if you've not done so already, you can link up with the Georgia Prostate Cancer Coalition on their website at www.georgia pcc.org. They're also on Twitter at GAPCCinfo. I've linked up with them already, and if you haven't done so already for the Top Docs radio show, you can link up with us on Facebook and Twitter at Top Docs on BRX. We try to tie in with all of our guests so that uh, as they share information, then you can get it uh, through us as well. Um, any final thoughts before we have to jump off? No. Well, I want to say thank you very much for making time to join us in the studio, Ken. Um, obviously, a compelling story that you've shared about your own experiences with prostate cancer, and it's clear that uh, you definitely have a passion for the rest of us out here um, trying to help us to either A, avoid it, or at least avoid some of the more severe types of treatment that one has to undergo the more uh, advanced the disease gets. I would say one thing. Talk about it. Talk about it. Go vocal. Talk about it. And we have little blue armbands. I don't have mine on. Or blue pins. And when somebody says, here, what's this? Say, have you been tested? Do you know your score? Get your score. It's just a matter of doing it. And people will say, yeah, I better do that. Like you. And if you're out there getting ready to get you a new license tag, you can also think about linking up with them, supporting their efforts, uh, providing funds that will help them with their outreach by putting a prostate cancer awareness license plate on your car because you'll generate about, I think, $22. 22 That's bucks, a pretty significant contribution, actually. Yes, yes it is. You're going to have to pay that money anyway, so why not, uh, why not make it point it in that direction? So well, I want to tell you all, oh, great. Thank you very much, Ken. Um Krista, thanks for joining us on the board, as always. Thanks for letting me push your button, CW. And Ken, again, thanks for telling us your story and for uh, sharing your passion for helping the rest of us uh, try to get uh, evaluated for the presence or absence of prostate cancer. We'll see you all same time, same place next week. Thank you. <laughs>